0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. We're discussing today the number 10, principle number 10, the 30 principles of faith. And principle number 10 is a very, very fascinating principle, and that is Hashem knows what we are thinking. Oh boy. Very interesting and very fascinating. How does Hashem know what we're thinking? And, uh, And the answer is amazing, because He's amazing. Hashem is amazing. Hashem created us and He knows what we're thinking. He's the this is the only Ani Mamin that quotes a pasuk, and uh, it's interesting because why the Rambam writes uh, the 30 principles of faith he doesn't normally quote the verses. He actually quotes a verse. So let's read the let's read this in Hebrew first, and then we'll explain it. Ani Mamin, I believe Be'emunah Shlema with perfect faith, Shaboreid Barak Shemo, that the Creator, a blessed name. He knows all the deeds of people. He knows all their thoughts as well. It says, I guess it's from Tehilim. Hashem knows, Hashem created all their hearts, and Hashem understands all their deeds. So why does the Rambam have to bring a verse to support himself? So it seems like it's very controversial over here. Normally the Rambam doesn't bring any verses to support himself. He just tells you, I believe, in so and so, on, so on. That's it. No verses. Over here brings a verse. And this is also mentioned in the Adon Olam. Sorry, in the Yigdal. So fev We say in Yigdal. He sees and he knows our hidden things. And he sees from the beginning, he sees the end already. When he sees the beginning of something, he really sees the end as well. He knows the beginning and the end. So Hashem knows all our deeds. And he does not hide his eyes from them. He sees everything. Not like the one who says that Hashem left the world. He created the world and left it. No. Hashem is very, very involved in the world. Hashem knows everything that's going on. And uh, we're going to talk about the next. The next uh, principle is Hashem rewards and punishes. So this is very critical. Hashem knows everything. He cannot hide anything from Hashem. Hashem knows all our thoughts. All our deeds, all our actions, and where do we see this? Number one is we see about Abraham Avinu. Hashem chooses Abraham from all the other people in the world, and He says, "Ki ativ, I know him, that he will teach his children after him." Right. So Hashem is saying, "I know Abraham. I know. I can see Abraham. I can see his heart. I can see what he's going to do in the future. I can see all his deeds. What is he going to do? He's going to teach his children after him to do." Tzedakah Two things. Righteousness and justice. And that's why Hashem chose us as a Jewish people. He chose Abraham Avinu because of these two things. He saw, I know, that He's going to do these things. And we say in the Makhzur, right? We say this on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. ma'ase olam. We have in the zikronot, which is part of the Shemona Shreit, the zikronot You remember, Atazukher, you remember you remember the deeds of the world and you pay attention to all the creatures all the hidden things are revealed before you from Breshit, from the beginning and there's no forgetfulness before your throne and nothing is hidden from your eyes So we say this in our our Maqsdor, it's a very terrifying kind of prayer Hashem knows everything and if you don't say that, then you're forced to say that there's no justice if Hashem doesn't know what's going on there's no justice so we're forced to say Hashem knows everything and that is the source of justice ok this is now we're moving on to Sharif, which is the path of the just written by Ramoshe Chaim Luzato in the 1700s Ramoshe Chaim Luzato was a very very famous Kabbalist at a very early age um, 17 some people say and he started writing books he wrote about 60 books a lot of his books were burnt because they suspected him of being a follower of Shabbat Tzvi, which he wasn't. And he had to they put him in Kherim and he ran away to Amsterdam, and that's where he was. he just died. He died going to Israel. Actually, he died in Israel, he made Aliyah, and he died over there. So he says in Mislech Yishei, it sounds like Hashem is critical. He's judging us. He knows what's going on. And the answer is, it works for us as well. He says. Because Hashem does not forget even the smallest good deed, even the smallest good thought. That's why it's so important to have good thoughts. Where do we see in Pirke Avot? It tells us about a good thoughts. So it says Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zaka had five students. Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zaka had five students. Who are the five students? Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zaka. let's go. Huh? Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zaka, great, Robert. Rabbi he was the students, the students. Uh-huh. So it says Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai had five, it amazing. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. it says, was a student of Hillel. Hillel had 80 students, 80 students. The greatest of all the 80 students was Rabbi Yonatan Ben-Uziah, the greatest of the 80 students. He's buried in Amuka. Have you ever been to, anyone been to Amukah? I've been to Amukah. have been to Amukah Amuka a few times. Amuka, Amuka is in the Galilee, in the Galilee, it's a very deep valley. That's what Amuka means. Amok means deep. Okay. It's a very deep valley. You have to go down the hills, mountains, going round and down, and down and down and down until some rich guy built a road. Baruch Hashem. I don't know why he donated a road. Imagine, donating a road. He built a road down to the valley, and uh, there's no lights there, and it's not on the grid. There's far away in the valley. And there's no grid. There's no electricity. So you, if you want to be there at night, it's pretty spooky. Or well, you take with your generator. So, I used to go with the yeshiva. We used to bring ten guys with a generator. We used to pray all night. We used to pray all night and do shacharit over there. And you hear the hyenas and the jackals in the valley. of mm-hmm. it's very, uh, it. And uh, then you hear Breslov, "Come out!" and all the run, They all run away. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. It's basically the darkness, the pitch black valley. There's some guy over there meditating, amazing. middle of the night. Amazing. It's really an amazing experience. So. Rabbi, rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was one of the 80 students of Hillel. Hillel had 80 students. He was the smallest of the 80 students. The biggest was Rabbi Yochanan ben Uziel. It says when he learned Torah, there was a fire coming up, a pillar of fire over his head, whatever that means. And uh, he's the rabbi who people go to for shiduchim. If you want to get a shiduch, you go to Amuka. You go pray in Amuka. I know people I actually met on the, on the bus. <laughs> um, we have a couple from... Uh, I remember about ours, her daughter met her husband on the bus in Amuka, and they're still married, Baruch Hashem, they're living in Israel, Baruch Hashem, Crazy stories. stories, um, I know my two daughters went, and they both got married, very shortly after, Baruch Hashem, and my nieces also all got married, went to Amuka, but I've still got a son who's not married, and he's went to Amuka a few times, so I don't know, <laughs> it doesn't work for everyone, it doesn't work for everyone, I guess, I don't know a lot of people work for he we we went to the man. wrong bus <laughs> anyway <laughs> 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 okay uh, okay so Mr. Ladi Sharif so uh, Rabbi Yochan ben had five students and these five students we get the whole Torah from his five students all these five students and the students of his students so Rabbi Yo- Rabbi Rabbi uh, Rabbi uh, sorry Rabbi ben Hurkanis who was one of his five students and Rabbi Shua ben Khanani were the rabbis of Rabbi Kiva so two of his students taught Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was four generations from Hillel. Hillel, mm-hmm. Rabbi Yocham and Zakai, Rabbi Yezzeh and Rabbi Yoshua, and then Rabbi Akiva. Four generations from Hillel. Okay. So anyway, Masih Yishari quotes. And he says, it sounds like Hashem remembers everything. It's bad. No, he says. It's good. Why is it good? Hashem remembers the good as well. Everything we do, even the smallest good things, I heard the story once. I don't know how true it is. It says a person got passed away in 120 years and he gets judged in Shemayim. They're judging him. And the, his demerits are more than the merits. And the scales are tilted to bad. So finally, there's an angel who runs in. He said, what about the mud on his shoes when he walked to Shul? Add the mud on the, on the scales. You don't do anything out People don't realize what a great mitzvah it is just to walk to Shul. Every step is a schar mitzvah. Every step is a, is a step in the right direction. Every person takes a step in the right direction to get a reward for that step. And the wetter it is, and the, and the snow, if it's snow, and if it's mud, get more reward. The more reward it is. Maybe it adds up. So even the smallest good things that we do. Person, you know, the the Shem Tov the says, the person is doing something bad, but they're sighing. I don't really want to do this, Hashem. And a person's sighing, why do I have to do that? I wish I didn't have to do this. Hashem counts that sigh even. That's a tremendous, as a tremendous reward for that sigh. So Hashem remembers the good, but He remembers the bad. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Okay. So, so just because He remembers the bad doesn't mean He remembers the good. He remembers the good as well. That's what a person's going to think. It's not all bad. There's good things as well, Hashem remembers. And Hashem takes even the smallest things into account. Hashem remembers every detail of how we do a mitzvah and it's, a, it's an amazing thing if, if a person does a mitzvah with joy it's worth thousands of times as much as a mitzvah without joy thousands of times, you can't imagine a person keeps Shabbat they keep, Shabbat. They keep, Shabbat. They keep Shabbat with gusto and they want to cook for Shabbat and they're cleaning for Shabbat my wife is the opposite of many women why? she enjoys cleaning for Pesach I never see, I never <laughs> see anything in my life I'll tell you let's go away, no I want to stay home I enjoy Pesach, and this is part of my enjoyment of doing the mitzvah. This is a, this is a great woman. So uh, she enjoys cleaning for Pesach. She gets it from her mother and a grandmother and great-grandmother. So how many women enjoy cleaning for pesah? But you remember, Harizal says the more, the more you sweat, the more there is mitzvah. The more sweat. He would sweat for the mitzvah and he would wipe his forehead because it says one's oh, deeds are written on one's forehead. So he wiped wipe the foreheads with its sweat. And the tears, if you're crying over a mitzvah, he wipes his foreheads. It's good to remember. Just take the tears and wipe your forehead. Um, we get it from a Pasuk in Ye- Yechaskel, where the angel puts a big tuft on the people who are going to die. So, so we wipe the forehead. The forehead uh, we had a doctor in the shul, he says, a person is born with the expiration date over here. <laughs> Everyone has born with an expiration date. So says so, so, so use use the sweat for a mitzvah or tears for a mitzvah to wipe out. The expiration. Anyway, so uh, Hashem remembers the bad, but also Hashem remembers the good. Hashem remembers every detail of a mitzvah that we do, and therefore it's very important to every detail we do, every small part of the mitzvah Hashem remembers. And He remembers especially the attitude towards a mitzvah. And because the attitude is very very important. Hashem rewards the person for an attitude. And that's we see, Chesed <speaking in Hebrew> Hashem says, "I remembered Chesed <speaking in Hebrew> the 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 uh, kindness of your youth." <speaking in Hebrew> you walked after me in the desert, Lozerua, <speaking in Hebrew> with no nothing growing over there. Imagine the Jews left Egypt, and they go into the desert. You know how much faith that took to take your children and your wives and your cattle and everything to a desert. There's no, nothing growing there. What are you going to do? Who's going to support me? Hashem says to go. Okay, I'm going into the desert. Hashem says, I remember that. That reward for you is tremendous. I remember that you went into the desert. Right? It's like a person gets married, nothing in his pocket, and the wife, she marries him with the faith that he's going to make it somehow. That's uh, That wife, you want a wife with you, that wife should be rewarded with long life. The wife should get long life, and happiness in the marriage. Because she sacrificed so much to be with a guy. So anyway, so, very, very critical. Hashem remembers every little detail of the mitzvah. And we have to understand that reward for a mitzvah is going to last us a lifetime and beyond. That is our true, that is the true retirement fund. What is your true retirement fund? What we are doing now is our true retirement fund. The reward for this will last in this world and the next world, and the next world is very long. It's eternity. It's going to last a long time. So, stock market goes up, the stock market goes down. One thing is a constant when you store up in the next world. That's a constant. Hashem rewards. And that reward is earning interest payments. <laughs> you eat the interest payments in this world, but the main part of the reward is, is stored in the next world. Hashem remembers every detail how we do a mitzvah. If we would appreciate that a mitzvah would last for posterity, we would do them very carefully. It would be contrary to the truth. For Hashem to ignore the small things that we did, so everything is recorded. Everything is, and Hashem remembers. So, but the only good thing is there's a thing called teshuvah. A person can rewrite history. Imagine, it's impossible logically. Teshuvah is impossible. You can't rewrite history. But in God's world, we can rewrite history by doing teshuvah. Amazing. Person thinks in his head, Hashem, I'm sorry, I did this. Hashem says, Okay, no problem. I'll erase it for you. (laughs) How do you do that? That's amazing. That's the power of Teshuvah. And that's why a person should never give up hope. Never give up hope because there is Teshuvah. There is Teshuvah. Never give up hope. There is Teshuvah. And the Raman says, even a person was evil all their lives, and the last minute of their life they did Teshuvah, they're tzadikim. They accepted in long run. It's a tremendous thing. It's an amazing thing. Okay. I want to go now to Sefer HaChiluch. This is uh, the Book of Education, amazing, written anonymously. We don't know who wrote it. Um, it's written for the youth of Spain. He writes in his introduction. I'm writing this for the youth of Spain who are playing soccer. No, soccer some kind of game with a ball on Shabbat. So this is for them to study on Shabbat. So he wrote it on the parsha of the week. So you can buy, you can get it today. It's written in Hebrew and English somewhere over here, um, behind me, and it's called the Book of Education, and it goes through the mitzvah of to the Torah according to the parsha. Every parasha has a mitzvah. It goes through the mitzvah, explains the mitzvah in a beautiful way. So here, this is mitzvah. explains this is number 169 and look what he says and we people who have the true religion right we have to realize Hashem's hashgacha, divine providence Hashem puts his divine providence over everything so this is actually a very big between the Rambam and the Ramban if there is Hashem's providence is over the animals as well So he says, yes, even over the animals. In other words, the lion is hungry. Which antelope is the lion going to eat? Hashem chooses. It's all hashgacha. Everything is under divine providence. How come he ate this one? You can eat that one. So that is the opinion of Ramban. And that's the opinion over here in the Sefer Chinook. Whereas Ramban holds that Hashem does not pay attention to the hashgacha of animals. Which animal survives? Which animal doesn't survive? And was the lion's hungry? Which animal? the, The closest one. Hashem doesn't worry about that. He worries about people, yes. Yes. So how do we know that it's like personal? How do we know it's reliable? Because it's been accepted throughout the centuries, and everyone learns it. Everyone studies it. And it's printed by Feldheim. what more, do you want? So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a tradition. Tradition is it's a very reliable book. Study Shivot. So written anonymously because number one is when you write a book with your name on it, you can always be held up to certain things you said, right? Uh, number two is he didn't want credit. He didn't want to take credit, so he was very humble. to not put his name on it. But we have suspicions. It was written by Rabbi Bachia Ibn Pakhuda, we think, we don't know. He was the author of Hoat We don't know for sure. So, but it was written by a very reputable person who's given down through the centuries. It's been in existence for the last, uh, what, how many years now? Well, since the 1300s. So you're talking about 700 years old. 700 years. It's been studied for 700 years. And he quotes the Rambam. Most of the time he's quoting Rambam. Most of the time. So he says, look what he says. He says, we have to know that there's Hashkechah. Hashem knows what's going on completely in all the creatures that he created. So Hashem makes the world continue. And every single human being has Hashkechah. Every single human being has divine providence because Hashem understands what we're doing all the time. And this is what we are. We accept it from our Gedolim, from our rabbis above us. And we find this in many Psukim, this concept of uh, Hashkechah. Hashem knows what's going on. Hashem is controlling the world. We find in many different verses scattered over the over the Torah. So we have to know that Hashem knows exactly what's going on. A person's having a bad day, Hashem knows exactly what's going on. So a person should pray and ask Hashem to change their day and not give up hope. Uh, we find the famous story of Hiskial Melech. Hiskial Melech, it says, was dying. He was the king of, of Judah, he was dying, very big tzaddik. And Hashem sends the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, go and tell him he's going to (laughs) die. Well, he's dying already. Just rub it in. You're going to die. He says, you know why you're going to die? He says, why? Because you never got married. Hezquiel, the king, you never got married. Hezquiel, the king, says, but I have Ruach HaKodesh. He's a holy man. I have Ruach HaKodesh. I see that my children are going to be evil. The reason why I didn't get married, I don't want to have evil children. The The prophet says, you just do your mitzvah and don't figure out the hidden things. You're not, allowed, you're not allowed to worry about hidden things. That's God's plan. You worry about You worry about yourself. You have a mitzvah to get married, you get married. So he says, Isaiah the prophet, you have a daughter, let me marry your daughter. With my merit and your merit, the children of Israel will be sadiqim. So he Isaiah says, too late. You're going to die. That's it. Hashem says you're going to die. He says, I have a tradition from my, from my great-grandfather, David Melech that even if the sword is at your throat, if you turn your face to the wall and pray... Can change the gazera. You can change the decree. So it says he's praying, and Isaiah went and walked out. Isaiah said, No hope, this guy's gonna die. Walks out. On the way out, he gets a message from God. God says, Go back in and tell him he's gonna live. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows in a second a person can change their the Gazera command, a person can change the decree against them, the decree against them through their tefillah and through their whatever their suffering, Hashem can change the decree. He marries was daughter, he married Isaiah's daughter and the children still evil Menashe, the king, was evil and the other son died and destroyed us he destroyed us, one of the reasons why the second temple, the first temple was destroyed because the evil of Menashe, the son of Yishai so it's amazing, his father was such a big tzaddik, and his son was such a big rasha, but even then this rasha, this son who reigned the longest in Jewish history he was the longest reigning king and he did teshuva and the, there's a whole big discussion in the Talmud, was his Teshuvah accepted or not? Because the Mishnah says, he was not, his Tishuva was not accepted. The Mishnah. But the Talmud says, one of the pities of the Talmud says, Hashem had to make a special entrance for his teshuva. The angels try to block it, so all the evils he did, and Hashem had to make a special entrance. So I see Teshuvah can, both can do Teshuvah, there's always hope for teshuva. So Hashem knows the bad, but Hashem also knows the good. And everyone's different, we will have different levels of Yetzirah. That's why we cannot judge people. Only, only Hashem can judge people. Really, the truth is, only Hashem knows what's going on in a person's head. Only Hashem knows how to judge. We can only see with our eyes, it says. Adam ro'eba enayim. Person sees see with their eyes. The court, the court, the beddin, can only see with their eyes. We don't know what's going on in a person's head. Right? We just see the evidence around the person, what happened, who said what, this, what that. We don't know what the truth is. We just approximate the truth. Hashem knows the truth. No one else knows the truth. So, it's very important to know that there is such a thing called Hashkacha Pratit, and Hashem is involved in every person's life to the extent that they allow Him to be involved. It's interesting. If you let Him in, He'll come in. If you don't let Him in, that was the Kotzka Rebbe, right? He says, where is Hashem? Wherever you let Him in, He'll be there, right? But if you don't pay attention to Hashem, Hashem says, okay. If you, if you walk with me, I will also walk with you, If you walk with me with chance, I will also walk with you with chance. If you believe in evolution, I also, okay, your life will also evolve. You know a famous story it says? Um, husband and wife, right? So the husband is teaching his children, Evolution. you are all descended from apes. So the kid goes to his mother, He says, My, this is true. Daddy says, We're all descended from apes. Ma says, that's his side of the family. <laughs> He's talking about his side of the family. <laughs> so we Jews don't believe in, there's two things, there's macroevolution and there's microevolution. Microevolution we believe in. Everyone's changing. The society is changing and people are changing and things are happening. That's microevolution. We don't believe in macroevolution, which is the whole world started with something small and, and evolved and whatever. But, uh, never happened. We believe that Adam was created, human being, from day one he was like a 40 year old man he says he was created like a 40 year old man the first trees in Gan Eden were fully grown right. they weren't uh, little yeah, no, no. saplings <laughs> so that's the question what came first, the chicken or the egg and the answer is, quickly, the chicken it can't be an egg, why not because an on, egg right? needs to be hatched who's going to sit on the egg right. so first, it's not a question, the chicken or the egg the chicken came first of course so we believe in Hashgah HaPratid we believe Hashem is there Hashem is watching, Hashem knows everything as David says in Psalm 23, Hashem is your shadow. Hashem is with you. He's your shadow. He's, he's walking around with you. You actually says, where is, Hashem? Where, is Hashem? Where, is Hashem? where is Hashem? Where is Hashem? That's called Hester Panim. We're going to talk about that when we come to Purim. It's actually a good topic for Purim. Hester Panim is Hashem's face is hidden. What does that mean? The so I say, he's there. You just can't see him. He's hiding behind a curtain. In a sense. It's hidden behind a curtain, and you have to open your eyes and see Hashem. And uh, that's the famous uh, psalm of uh, Esther. What psalm did Esther? What psalm was Esther? Quickly. Quickly, quickly, come on, quickly. I think it's Psalm 22. It's just before Mazmorah David, right? Psalm 22. It's Ayelet HaShachar. psalm of Ayelet HaShachar. Who's <laughs> Ayelet HaShachar? The rabbi says, Esther. Eli, Eli, Lama Azavtani. My God, my God, why have you left me? Why have you left me, Hashem? You put me in this lunatic's palace. He's he's raping me every night, this lunatic. I don't want to be near this guy. He's he's a madman. Get me out of here, Hashem. It's terrible. I'm a married woman. I'm a Jewish woman. I'm a religious woman. And this guy takes me into his, his harem. And he chooses me to be his wife. I don't want to be here. Why, Hashem? Why have you done this to me? Why? But eventually she understood. She had the power to change him. She had the power to change history. And she saved the Jewish people. So that's Hashkah Chapatit. It's terrible. It's, sometimes it works, you know. Because it's chosen for the wrong, they think the wrong thing, but really Hashem is choosing them for a certain thing, So certain, certain process. Very rough. I'll tell you the story, I'll tell you. When I read that story, I, I feel so sorry for that girl. We read it like, boring, right? we're all happy, right? But really, it's Esther's epitaph. Megillat Esther is her, that's, that's her remembrance. That's her remembrance. Because she left no Jewish children. Even though her child was Jewish, she wasn't really Jewish, it was more, more Persian than Jewish. So that was her epitaph, really. When we really make it loud, there, we have to think about the the sacrifice of Esther. Esther sacrificed herself for the Jewish people. Amazing, amazing. But that's also hash-gecha. That's That's the hiddenness of Hashem's face. We don't see Hashem's face. Today we're starting to see a little. Now we're seeing the State of Israel, it's amazing. I was reading yesterday, my, my son is reading about Herzl. Now we, now usually people hate his Herzl. He's secular, he started a Zionism, secular Zionism. But look at his life, he, he never had any religion in his life. He wasn't taught religion. Not his fault, you can't blame the man. It wasn't his fault. Not like he was anti-religious, he never loved religion. He was living in a very assimilated Vienna. Right? Vienna, who, who comes from Vienna? Anyone over here from Vienna? Vienna was a very, very assimilated place. The Aust- Austrian Empire. And uh, what's his name? Joseph uh, the Habsburg Empire. Come on, guys. Anyone here learn history? <laughs> European history? So, um, I know what I they were very, very assimilated. The Jews in Austria and Germany mm, were very, assimilated. 70% yeah. intermarriage rates. 70% intermarriage rates. So he is one of the, a newspaper reporter. Can you imagine? He's a very brilliant newspaper reporter. They love him. They love his uh, reporting. And he goes to France and he sees the Dreyfus, we heard Dreyfus? Dreyfus, 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 uh, Dreyfus, trial. Where this Jew was picked on by the I French like as a traitor. And he sees his epaulets being ripped off his uniform and his sword broken in half. And the guy is screaming, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. And no one believes him. But Hudson believes him. So they're picking on him because he's Jew. It's the anti-Semitism. We're never going to be safe anywhere. There are anti-Semites everywhere. The only way we're going to be safe is that we have our own country. And this is coming from a very assimilated person who doesn't have any Torah, no idea of Torah at all. And he goes back and he writes this pamphlet saying this that the Jews only have safety in a place where they call their own. They need to go back to their own country where they came from. And he becomes the laughing stock of, of Austria. All the Jewish community in Austria hate him, they make a mockery of him. And from being the most uh, beloved newspaper reporter, he becomes the an object of the disdain, and uh, so really he gave up a lot. But what happened was, his pamphlet went a- abroad, <coughs> and the Jews in the East, in Poland and in uh, Russia, were, were excited to read it. So it's amazing. I was reading it just about his, his funeral, and you see, it was like a small little tiny funeral, and all of a sudden it says that all the trains were packed all the railroad stations, all these people started coming from the, from the east, all the Poland, Russia, all they started coming into this place, like a million people came to, uh, came to Austria for his funeral. Mm-hmm. Well, it's meant to be a very tiny, people can believe their eyes. They never saw a funeral like this. And they were crying like, so it's amazing what impact the man had. Okay, we don't know how God works. We have no idea what God's plans are. But I think it's wrong to knock him all the time. They knock him and they, hurt. it's not his fault he was, but he had good ideas. And uh, he tried what he, whatever he knew, he, he kept. Whatever he knew, he kept. So, I don't know. That's, uh, that's my perspective, my humble perspective. I don't think we should knock him, at least. I'm not, I'm not pro-secular Zionism, but I, I see that the guy had... what He, he, ran, he ran with his instincts. He knew there's anti-Semitism, and what do we do about it? Okay. So, in the end, I think history proves he's right, in a sense. I think he's proven right. Anyway, let's move on. So here, the, this is where in the Rambam, in Hoh Teshuvah, in Hoh Teshuvah, Shema Toma. If you say, Baruch, there, kol Hashem knows the future, and Hashem knows what we're going to do. Hashem knows who's going to be good, and Hashem knows who's going to be bad. If he knows, right, where's what, what our free choice? This is a famous question, philosophical question that Rambam asks. If Hashem knows the future, Where's our free choice? Hashem knows what I'm going to choose. Where's my free choice? He knows what I'm going to do. So the answer is very simple. Hashem knows what we don't know. Even though Hashem knows what I'm going to do, I don't know what I'm going to do. And therefore, I still have my free choice. If I knew what, I, what, I, what Hashem knows, I wouldn't have a free choice. I'd say, look, I've been into the future. I've seen what I'm going to do. So that's what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is fate. And a lot of religions believe in fate. Everything is fate. But Hashem doesn't rule us and tell us what to do. Hashem gives us free choice. Hashem knows what we're going to choose. But we still have free choice. Why? Because we don't know what Hashem knows. We don't know what Hashem knows. So even though, let me give an example. Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people, I know in the future you're going to sin. You're going to, you're going to sin? I know Hashem's going to scatter you in the four corners of the world. Come back here. Look, at the, look at this. We, we have this prediction, Hashem. Hashem gave the prediction. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, I know. You're gonna say you're gonna be in the four corners of the world and I'm gonna bring you back again. that's amazing. Amazing. How do you say that? I mean a thousand years he encapsulated thousands of years of Jewish history, right? Three thousand years of Jewish history in one phrase. Amazing, amazing. But no one knows when and no one knows how. We still have free choice. How do we have free choice? We know the end, we know what's gonna happen. We just don't know when. We don't. Look at even now. We're, we're towards that. right near the end of the, the story. <laughs> and we still don't know when and we don't know how. It's amazing. We're right near the end of everything. We're the, one of the last generations. Think about it. We're, we're one of the last generations in this in the world as we know it. But we still don't know when and we don't know how. So we we'll are still ask, you know, what's going on? Uh, just yesterday they, they shot down an Israeli airplane. We don't know where. We don't know how. We don't know. We know what's going on. So... It's something with so even though Hashem knows that's what Rambam says even though Hashem knows doesn't affect our free choice we don't we don't ok so this is a very complicated philosophy, philosophical idea Hashem knows what we're up to Hashem rewards us Hashem punishes us according to what He knows everything Hashem knows everything Hashem knows the thoughts of people so on a deeper level Hashem talks about Hashem's knowledge. On a deeper level, it's talking about Hashem being connected to us. What do you mean he knows? How does he know? And the answer is, he's connected to us. He's in our brains. Hashem is in our brains. How is Hashem in our brains? Because our neshama is a part of Hashem. Right? You created it. You stood, and you blew it into my soul, my nostrils. Right? Where do we get our neshama from? It says... That man was created from? Who's awake over here? I'm putting everyone to sleep. From the earth, thank you. Adam is created from Adamah. That's where Adam where Adam came from, right? And what does Hashem do? He blew into his nostrils the breath of life. So there's a very famous Rav Chaim Rav Chaim in, in Nefesha Chaim says that he gives an analogy of a glass blower. You know, in the old days, how they blew glass. They'd have this long tube. Oh, yeah. they put a glob of, of, of raw glass, <coughs> of, of molten glass, and they blow into it to make a vessel. Right. It says when the, when, the, when the blower is blowing in, he's blowing in his own breath. And he makes the, he creates. I said, that that's the analogy. Hashem blew his breath into Adam's soul. So that breath is still in the person. Mm-hmm. The breath that Hashem blew, so it's Hashem's breath. So how does Hashem know what we're doing? And the answer is, because Hashem is in us. Hashem is part of our daily routine. How's that? And that's why it's so easy to talk to Hashem. He's in us. You can talk to Hashem in your mind. How come? He's there. Hashem's in your mind. He's there. Because he, part of the Hashem is Hashem. So when, Hashem, when it says Hashem knows our deeds, it means Hashem is part of us. Hashem is connected to us. So closely connected to us. It's a concept which we you know the Hashem is involved with us. Rabbi? Yes. So is that how we're all connected to each other? 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's why Hashem does not like Lashonara. Don't talk bad about people. Why? About because I created him as well. Right. You're related to him. He's your brother. He's your sister. He, he, you're talking about my, my child. So don't be careful. Don't talk about my child. How would you like someone to talk about your children? Right. Hashem says, I, li- I don't like it when you talk about my child. Don't talk bad about people. So we're all connected. Uh, so we're all connected through Hashem. We're all brothers and sisters, right? B'nai Yisrael, we're the children of Israel, number one. We're the, the descendants of Israel. We're all the sons of Israel. we're all the children of Israel. That connects us. Physically, that connects us through genetics, but also we're the children of God. And how do we know we're the children of God? Yesterday's parasha, right? The slave, he says, no, I want to serve more than seven years. What it has to do? They pierce his ear. Why they pierce his ear? It's the year that he you heard at Sinai. He didn't listen to Sinai, right? Abadim he, Abadai he, says. You are my servant, Hashem says. Else. No yes. one else's. Yes. I'm having a problem. Yes. <laughs> if Hashem knows the end, yeah, and it's just that we don't know. I don't know that that gives us free choice. 100. In fact, he is. He is in charge of the end product. Yes. So. Where is our choice? Our choice is how do we get there? Are we going to be part of it or not? Let me give an example. So there's uh, two battles. There's a battle going on, right? Two armies, right? And you're in one army and you're the other guy's in the other army and you're fighting. But you can fight well or you can fight not well. You can say, you know what? Let me take a break now. Let me go to the back line and then let the other guys fight. right? And you win. And how much of that win was part of your contribution? Not much. Okay. So <laughs> Hashem says, you know what? In the end, we know who's going to win. Good's going to beat evil. We know that in the end, right? The question is, how much did I put into that process? That's your free choice. The end result is going to be the end result. Mashiach is going to come, whether you like it or not. The question is, how much did you put in with yourself into that process? And that's the question. And that's the reward and punishment. That's where reward and punishment comes in. Because the end result is going to happen anyway. It's going to happen today, tomorrow, day after. It also depends on us. Because we can bring Mashiach earlier, right? We can bring it its time. Hashem says I can bring it earlier. If all the Jews did teshuvah and all the Jews kept two Shabbatot, it says mm-hmm. that's all it takes to bring Mashiach. So all the Jews keep two Shabbats. but try and get all the Jews to keep two Shabbats in a row. In a row. Makes it harder, right? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's all it takes. So where were you in the process? The process is going to happen. Where were you in the process? That's the question. That's the free choice. So what is going to be is going to be. That for sure, it's going to be. Mashiach's is going to come whether you like it or not. Uh, the world's going to be fixed whether you like it or not. It's going to happen. The question is, where were you in that process? That's why Hashem's going to ask you. But I knew you were going to win in the end, Hashem. I knew your plan was going to come true in the end. But where were you? You were meant to be part of that plan. Why would you not plan for that? I was part of the plan, but I didn't just do 100% of my abilities. Well, that's the problem. you got to do 100% of your abilities. It's so hard to do 100% of your abilities. And that's the Perkevot uh, says, right? It says there's a... It gives a comparison of workers and the owner, right? The owner comes along. Okay, you guys, you have got a certain amount of work to do today, and the and the workers are lazy. Mm-hmm. So it's the same story. We're working for Hashem, and the workers are lazy, and the the duchek, and the owner's saying, "Keep moving, keep moving, go faster, faster." The workers. Yeah. Hashem says, "Bring my sheep faster. Bring my sheep faster." lazy. No, I'd rather go to Macy's. I gotta go here. I gotta go there. <laughs> Hashem, I'm busy. I'm sorry, I'm busy right now. Shabbat. Well, let's see about. It. Maybe next week. sure, maybe next week. Yeah. But We're busy right now. Okay, so Hashem is part of us. We have to realize Hashem is part of us. And that explains the has- <laughs> The It explains His awareness. explains His connection to us. He's right there. We just have to knock. We just, he's right there. He's right there in our minds. So it's interesting that we think Hashem is far away from us. He's right there. We say says in "Lo he is not far away across the sea. Lobashamayam he is not in the heavens. It's right next to you. It's it's very close to you in your mouth and in your heart. It's not far away. Hashem is not far away. It's, he's so close. You can talk to Hashem any time. You can you can be around people and be talking to Hashem in your head. That's all. That is that That is connected to Hashem. When a person connects connected to Hashem, they're talking to Hashem all the time. And that was the greatness of David HaMelech. He was connected to Hashem all the time because he was persecuted, tremendously persecuted, all the time persecuted. He has nowhere else to turn to. He turns to Hashem. And that's the safest bet you have. The safest bet you have is to turn to Hashem. Hashem is the most reliable of all your friends. Believe me. The most reliable of all the friends. Don't trust in rich people. He himself can't save himself. Right? So we trust in Hashem. He's the most reliable of our friends, really, honestly. So it says there's a person who had three friends. You know the story? A person has three friends. And uh, one friend he sees every day. And the second friend he doesn't see every day. He sees once a month. The other friend he sees once in a while. Once in a while. And he has a court case for the king. And he tells his best friend, can you come with me to the king? The friend says, I can't come with you. I have no way of coming to you. And the second best friend says, I'll come with you to the gates to the king. And the other one says, I'll come with you and argue with you. So he says, "The least the worst friend, the best friend is his money. He carries money with his pockets. And the guy dies. He's going to his great court case. And the money says, I'm sorry, I can't go anywhere. I'm I'm stuck in your pocket. I can't go anywhere. (laughs) And then he says, the next best friend is his wife, children, family, relatives. Come with me. He say, we can only come to the gate of the, of the palace, the grave. We can't come anymore. And his third best friend, the mitzvot, that a person does, says, I'll come with you and I'll argue for you. Mm-hmm. So we don't really realize who our best friends are. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, if you can make Hashem your best friend, he mm-hmm. says, no problem. It says, by linking, we just learned this on Monday nights. I don't know what happened to last Monday night, people didn't show up, but... I gave the class anyway. It's available on uh, Torah anytime. So, um, if a person clings to Hashem now, Hashem is in both worlds. Hashem is in this world. Hashem is in the next world. If you want to part in the next world, you have to be clinging to Hashem. How does a person become, become immortal? And the answer is because Hashem is immortal. If you link yourself to immortality, you'll get immortality. If you don't link yourself to Hashem, you don't know immortality. It's very simple. So that's the key to entrance into Lama Ba'i. Is linking to Hashem, who is immortal. They get immortality. So it's not just, it's, an, it's, interesting, it's interesting, it's not mm-hmm. enough just enough to know Hashem. Because we don't know what know means. Know means to know, we talked about. But it says, Adam knew his wife. What do you mean he knew his wife? He linked to his wife. That's what knowledge we is. To to we have to link to Hashem, not just know Hashem. Knowing, knowing is loving, knowing is linking. Yes? So if we can talk to Shimon, Yes. You like to verbalize out loud? Very good. Very excellent question. That's a very excellent question. So number one is Rambam says if you say a brach in your head it counts but no one follows Rambam. It's interesting very fascinating right? Rambam says if I say mm, in my head it's valid. It's going it's to right. Rambam. Amazing. I love Rambam. <laughs> Shukran doesn't hold like that. What can I say? The majority of keep don't follow that opinion. They say you have to verbalize it. If you don't verbalize it it doesn't count. And the answer is to your question is because Actions, as the Sefer HaChinuch we learned a few weeks ago, actions change a person more than thoughts. The actions we do and the words we say have more influence than us on us than the thoughts that we have. Interesting. This is, this is wild. It's called behavior modification, mm-hmm. right? The actions we have. So if I say nice words but I act nasty, the actions count more than the words. That's right. If I think good thoughts, but I didn't verbalize them, I didn't bring them into this world. So by talking, we verbalize them and bring them into this world. It's very fascinating. There are different worlds, there are different dimensions. And actions is this world. Speech is the higher level, and thoughts are even higher level. So thoughts are really beyond this world. Thoughts are beyond this world. We're not really affecting this world by our thoughts. I need to affect, not just affect the worlds above, I need to affect this world. Tikkun olama is this world. How do I affect this world? By saying good things. By praising God in this world. By actually saying things in this world. not In my head, it's a different world. Not just our prophets, but you can just talk Yes. Talk so, so, tefillah, the mitzvah tefillah, for example, is verbalizing. Mm-hmm. So, even though I'm linking myself to Hashem 24 hours a day, that, that's good. That's a different mitzvah. That's the mitzvah of clinging to Hashem. But there's another mitzvah of prayer. So, would that mean a whisper? What? Clinking uh, to Hashem? When you talk out loud, it doesn't have to be actually verbalizing sound could it be a whisper a whisper is verbalizing when you, as long as you hear what you're saying that's all you do that's all you need to do to pray no one has to hear you, you shouldn't. no one should hear you you have to whisper to yourself to the you to so Arizal pray. says enough to mouth the words because you're what? doing an action Arizal says you just mouth the words you don't even have to hear and it Shulchanan says no you have to hear it there's a debate between Kabbalah and Psha. so there's different levels so, number one is if there's no one around and you know it helps you to say it loud for your own concentration, you can say it loud. The reason why we don't say our prayers loud is because we don't want we don't to interrupt anyone else. who's just trying to pray. If there's no one around, and you're in your own room and you have trouble thinking, you can scream to yourself. <laughs> only trouble is you are not allowed to scream when you pray. Why? Because then you're saying, Hashem cannot hear me if, die, if I don't scream. <laughs> Hashem can hear you if you don't scream. Hashem can... So, it's not good to scream tefillah. It shows a lack of faith, in a sense. But interestingly, Arizal says you shouldn't even verbalize even when you're alone. Mm-hmm. Highest level of tefillah, he says, is just by moving your lip mouth. And where do you learn it from? Chana. He says, Chana was just moving her lips and the Kohen thought she was drunk. But my question is, why did he think she was drunk? He didn't know how to pray? <laughs> it's a good question. It's kumayim brachot. So he knew how to pray. Obviously he knew how to pray, but he didn't know you could pray quietly. He thought you actually had to say it loud and... So when he saw her lips moving and no sound coming out, he says, "What is she doing? She must be drunk." No, she's praying. And then she rebukes him. She said, "I'm a woman with a bit of heart, and I'm praying to Hashem." He said, "Yeah, you're praying to Hashem." Got very excited. He said, "What are you praying for?" He said, "I'm praying for us, child. You're going to be answered." He says, "If you're praying like that, for that tefillah, with that kavanah, then you're going to be answered." And he blessed her. And she had a son, Shmuel, the great Shmuel Samuel. Okay, so. Yeda, knowledge is not just theoretical. Knowledge is linking. That's what it means. It means that Adam knew his wife. Doesn't mean he knew his wife. He had a relationship with his wife. He knew her, and the knowledge was the act itself. It's a knowledge of love. So that's how we have to know. Hashem knows us, we have to know Hashem. Of linking ourselves to Hashem. And this concept of Hashem's awareness is essential to the prayers of Rosh Hashanah, as we, we talked about. It says Hashem has an awareness. Hashem does not forget. Hashem knows everything. Because Hashem is all powerful. It's like Google. have right? <laughs> <laughs> Hashem is way more powerful than Google. Right? If Google knows what we're doing it, eh? how much more does Hashem knows what we're doing. Right? It's amazing today how, you know, when you read, uh, you read the, the, the Pirkei Avot uh, 50, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, there's an eye that sees, and an ear that hears, and everything's written down. You say, what's going on in here? What do you mean? How can the eye see me? And today, you know, the satellites in the sky looking at you. Your own phone is looking at you. It's amazing. It's very bit scary. If you have Alexa in your house, you better watch out. Every word you say is being recorded. And that's what the Mishnah says. Everything we say is recorded. Everything is done. Hashem has everything recorded. Where's He keeping all this information? It's in the clouds. Now <coughs> we can understand. It's amazing how the rabbis knew these things. Thousands of years ago, they are writing down these things. An ancient man didn't have a vehicle to understand. You know that his book is the size of the entire... Bigger, bigger, bigger. His book. Yeah, whatever. Hashem doesn't need a book. He showed it to me. But whatever that means. The Torah, we have it. He records everything that's correct. The uh, concept of Hashem's awareness is essential. Amazing. Rabdesu says, Our view of the universe is just through the people. What we can see is like you're looking into a room through a people, that's what we see. Our sight is like limited in all sides. We can't see what's going on. We have no idea what's going on. We can only see one point at one time. And everything before that is past and present and every, ahead of us, a little bit at one time. Hashem is above that. Hashem can see the whole picture. Hashem is the only being that can see the whole picture. If you link to Hashem, Navi gets also that kind of picture. There are stories of after death experiences. There's Rabbi Rav Alon Anav, Nava, Anava, Anava, right? Nava. Anava. Anava. Alon Anava. He writes about his story of after death experience. <laughs> but he was doing drugs, so I don't know if you can. Okay. But, <laughs> but it's, very, it's very fascinating. And how the soul separates from the body, and, and now he's, he can see he can things. Sort of see. He can only just see what's around him, but he can even feel people's thoughts. Okay. And that's how Hashem feels people's thoughts. But Hashem is more than that, Hashem is inside people. Right. So obviously it gets much more. But it's hard to understand, right? We're just starting to understand this. We're just starting to understand this because science is catching up. Until science eventually can say we know where the soul is, and the soul is a spark of God. And then that's it. Everyone will be forced to acknowledge this God. So Hashem sees the end. Right at the beginning. Amazing. Hashem can see the end and right at the beginning. So that's where we come in. How fast will the end come? Will we be part of it? Will not be part of it? Are we trying to bring it? Are we not trying to bring it? That's our question. Every individual has their own issue. There's gonna, definitely going to be an end. We said Hashem is like the best chess player. Eventually, it's going to be checkmate. Mm-hmm. But you can make as many moves as you want. You have free choice. But eventually, Hashem says checkmate. Still going to win. It may be 20 years' time, maybe 50 years' time, maybe 200 years' time, a thousand times, plenty of time. So time doesn't mean anything. But eventually, Hashem's going to win. There's no question. What does it mean Hashem's going to win? It means goodness and truth and justice will prevail. That's, mm-hmm. it. that's how we believe. The world will eventually end in that note, in a good note. Okay, so that's Hashgacha. So now there's different kinds of Hashgacha. Yeah. There's general Hashgacha. Okay. Let's oh. Okay, we have to stop here and we'll continue with next week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by torahanytime.com.